Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, when we looked at, uh, at the last of the things that we were encouraged to add to our faith, which was love, and you know, I want to kind of bring this, tie this together if we can, and the different Greek meanings of love and how they shine a different light on how we live today and that it's really important to differentiate and to look at the definitions of love to really know what love is. And God love, which is called agape in the Greek, um, you know, I guess you could do a princess bride thing, you know, love, true love, uh, is what brings us together today. Um, it, it, it is, it's true love, and it's every meaning of the word love, but that doesn't mean that it's not attainable. It is when we receive Christ. But I tell you what, you can't expect the world to love with God love if they don't know God. That will set you up for a lot of pain or to respond in a certain way to the God love you're trying to engage in and add into your life like Peter charged us to do. That in what we believe that one of the, in the hierarchy of this, one of the final things that we are to add is God love. And then we looked at what God love is. And uh, being expressed in 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, the challenge at the end of that message was you cannot add God, God love on your own. You have to receive it in order to give it. You have to believe it. You have to really engage in it. So this uh, lesson and really this coming year, I want to look at this for a while uh, because I had to go back through my own uh, January and February are significant times for me. And going back through my own history, both recent and many years ago, um, but how God upended my life and I had to learn how to live loved. Uh, many people heard that as because it, it came out in grace and teachings about grace because grace is God's expression of love to humanity. It's, it's undeserved. It's his favor that he rested upon us. It's why Jesus came. Jesus came and lived here and he taught really phenomenal things. And you know, and he lived a sinless life and then gave his life for our sin, died, was buried, resurrected, and all that is true. But he also came here so that we would understand God love and the expression of love. Jesus is the express image of God's love, and that is worked through grace and truth that is revealed to us. And so it's really important in our lives that we go, huh, and... Uh, you can't, it's real hard to love if you haven't received it. It's really hard to love. Even, even the natural love, the other loves that we talk about, storge love and filio love, the storge being the love that a parent feels for a, a child or the, that uh, family kinship. And uh, if you aren't receiving it, it's hard to add. And then... Therefore, you become stilted in the way that you show love. 
and other people are stilted in the way that they try to show you love, and so somebody keeps trying to tell me what love is, and they don't know anything about it. The world tries to tell us love looks like this, or love looks like that. At the end of the teaching, I referenced uh, Bono from his autobiography titled Surrender, which he said, sometimes the most convincing act of love is to just let someone be who they are without you. It doesn't mean leave them alone. It's just you don't, you don't have to interject your value system on somebody to love them. Does that mean you have to accept their value system? No, it does not. I don't have to accept the world's idea of what love is because I have received the love of God. And you think of the writings of John in his, uh, not just the gospel, but in his letters in which he says um, one of the most significant things is two words that John uses over and over and over again to instruct us. And he says, we know. We know these things. because We know Christ. And so that love is in you. So I really do want to encourage everyone, especially for this coming year. This is... Uh, um, it's not a prophecy or anything like that, but in this coming year of 2023, that you would set your heart and mind to make this a year that you learn to live loved. We're told so often or invited so often, go after God, do this for the Lord, go, go do this, do, the, do these three things, and God's going to manifest himself to you. Learn to live in the love of God. Oh my gosh, it will change you. It will absolutely change you. There's so many things about God in my life and Christianity that I was taught that I needed to know. You probably were too. Things like studying the scriptures, getting a revelation of who God is, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy of the times that we live in, preparing for the times to come, and none of these things in and of themselves are wrong or bad or worthless. They all have value. I tell you that what I've learned, especially in these past 12 years, is the one that I have found to be the most inf impactful in my life was learning to let God love me. For so many years, I told God how I needed to be loved. Have you gone through that? Or have you, maybe you're still there in that pattern of your life. We do it. That's what humans do. God, I need you to, our prayers kind of reveal, uh, it's going back to the State Farm com commercial, a little too much self-disclosure there. <laughs> you're, you're indicating where, you're, where your faith is at, and that's what, that's what Peter was writing about. To your faith, add this. And to learn, really, it will change you. Oh, I want to say with Paul, I don't have the, I don't think I have that kind of authority that he did, but I want to say, say oh, beloved, receive the love of God. And uh, it's just, it will, it will make such a difference. There's so many arguments around it. You know, unconditional love of God. Well, there are conditions with the love of God. It's funny that we spend more time trying to prove the conditions by which we should be loved than to receive the love. 
So I don't refer to it as much as unconditional love of God anymore as I do the unhindered love of God because of my own journey in this and my maturing this and learning to receive the love of God. And uh, all my strongholds, do you still have some strongholds? I bet you do. I bet you I could poke at them. I know a lot of you a lot better than you think I do. I prayed for you. God show you that? Sure. Would you tell me what he said? Nope. Not at all. If he wants to tell you, that's fine. But I'll pray for you, just like I pray for me. How, Lloyd, do I receive the love of God? How do I do this? I've been in so many meetings. I'm so frustrated because I want the love of God, but it feels far away. Well, I can't define it, but I can start describing it. It happens in suddenness. can happen in, an occurrence, in a moment of time. And it happens in long journeys and takes a lot of patience. It happens in life. It happens in continuity of practicing those things I just talked about, studying scriptures and spending time worshiping and prayer. But So do I have to do that to get it? No, it just positions your heart to receive it. Probably the Nietzsche quote is probably one of the, the best ones. It's difficult because he was talking about religion and if he was ever going to believe in anything. He said this, that it would have to be one found in a long obedience in the same direction. It, it's a, it's a, I know so much more of God's love today than I did 12 years ago, and there's not enough of it yet. There's not enough to know, and I can still be surprised. I was surprised this week. I'll tell you a story in a minute. One of my favorite teachers from years ago, a guy named Malcolm Smith, um, said in, and he believed this a lot. He was talking about faith and salvation. He said, salvation is a crisis that initiates a process. We often have an emotional catharsis when we come to Jesus, especially as adults. Or you're saved when you're a child, and then you start doing silly, childish things, and you do something wrong, and then God feels far away, and nobody told you that you could run into his arms and he wasn't holding it against you and so you end up waiting till you were 12 and then went to that first youth retreat because now you're gloriously 12 and so you go to camp or whatever that was and you have an experience in which God reveals himself to you and it, and it comes through crisis and you cry and you have tears and then God starts to love you patiently lovingly sweetly taking you on the journey. And I think we would all say this this morning within understanding the love of God. God's quite a gentleman. Lots of people told me that things that happened to other people and maybe even to me at times were God's judgment and discipline in my life. You know, God doesn't have to speak very loudly to you for you to hear him. Lloyd, shh, stop that. And that's about all it took. Because he was such a gentleman. Oh, be sure your sin will find you out. Oh, my sin has been tossed into a sea of forgetfulness. 
If my sin gets found out, it's so I can show somebody else the love of God, not to uncover me and make me be right. Throw that garbage out. That's not the way to live loved. I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13 again. And hear it again in our hearts this morning. This is Paul. Now, little, let me give you a little background. Corinth, very sinful city. Uh, it was a metroplex that was steeped in, the, in all kinds of different worship from different cultures. And it was a commerce city. And so it was busy. Think New York City or Boston. Something like that. And it had a lot of problems. And the church that got planted there had a lot of strife in it. That's why it's one of the most corrective letters that Paul wrote. Because he was trying to instruct them on how to do things together through love. And how to operate within the framework of God gives us incredible gifts. So you see in 1 Corinthians 12 is about gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 is about gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, we say, well, that's about love. No, it's still about gifts, the gift of love from God. And so he tells them, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect comes, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child... I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. It's not up there. Let me read it to you from a different version. And you just shut your eyes and receive it this morning. So this is from the Phillips. And I might even read the message. So we'll see. If I speak with the eloquence of men and angels but have no love, I become no more than blaring brass or a crashing cymbal. If I have the gift of foretelling the future and hold in my mind not only all human knowledge but the very secrets of God... And if I also have that absolute faith which can move mountains but have no love, I amount to nothing at all. 
If I dispose of all that I possess, yes, even if I give my own body to be burned but have no love, I achieve precisely nothing. This love of which I speak is slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive. It's not possessive. It's neither anxious to impress nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love is good manners. Does not pursue selfish advantage. It's not touchy. Does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is glad with all good men when truth prevails. Love knows no limits to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. For if there are prophecies, they will be fulfilled and done with. If there are tongues, the need for them will disappear. If there is knowledge, it will be swallowed up in truth. For our knowledge is always incomplete, and our prophecy is always incomplete. And when the complete comes, that is the end of the incomplete. When I was a little child, I talked and felt and thought like a little child. Now that I'm a man, my childish speech and feeling and thought have no further significance for me. At present, we are men looking at puzzling reflections in a mirror. The time will come when we shall see reality whole and face to face. At present, I know all I know is a little fraction of the truth. But the time will come when I shall know it as fully as God knows me. In this life, we have three great lasting qualities, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. It's hard to do what I asked you to do last week, that was to find ways to love other people. It's hard to do if God's love isn't planted in you and you're not seeing it from Him. If there's anything good in this life that comes your way, even family and all that stuff, it was God's gift of love to you. That's the way He loves. Uh, James put it this way, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. To enlighten a human heart to love with God love, that's an amazing thing. To receive it is an amazing thing. It changes us in such a process. And uh, I don't want to, like I said, I don't, don't want to belabor. I'm going to skip a bunch of my notes and we'll come back to them at another time. Promise. If you want to hear them. You know, the, the truth of what happened to me uh, in the years of starting at the end of 2010 and really happening, and I had significant encounters with God uh, in January and February of, of 2011. And uh, in a time of great turmoil uh, in my own life, in a time where it looked like everything was going wonderful, um, 
this church was full. There was like 350 people coming, and we were talking about whether we should go to two services. You know, what do the numbers mean, success or failure? Mm, it doesn't mean that. I had to learn that through love. Um, it's more important that who's here by God's direction and what they want to listen to. And uh, so all those things created a, a whole bunch of learning that, of, of what it's like to be loved and significant encounters with my life. And I even, because of it, and I want you to get this, there's stuff that you knew, because we know in part, from years ago that you've tried to wrestle through your life to find meaning. Why did that happen? What was that for? Do you have those? A few of them anyway? Remember when you were 17 and when you were 23 and, and then when the job came open when you were 29 and you start going through this. Now Drew and a few others have, have all these experiences to go through. And it suddenly takes 10 or 20 years to understand what it meant. So you do that through practicing love. Put it in place. Practice patience for somebody. If, if you don't have patience, tell God, I, I need you to love me with your patience. Let me see where you're patient with me. And he will. He'll start showing you. And then start doing it before there's some big heavy revy. Start trying to be patient with other people. Well, that's me and my flesh. No, just try. Just ask the Lord, work your love through me and try it. So I got tested on this, and I'll close with this story. I found that at my age, there's certain genes that fit me okay and certain genes that don't. The certain genes that do started getting sold at Menards, which sold them a lot cheaper than any place else in town. So I went to Menards and got a pair of Wranglers. Now, somebody may not like the way they fit, but I like the way they fit me. And, but I hadn't bought a pair of Wranglers in a long time, and I f forgot that they fit different than Levi's do. So I got the wrong size, so I had to take them back. So I got in line to take them back and to exchange them, if you've ever done those things. And I remembered what we had talked about the week before, about love. And uh, there was one person ahead of me, and then me, and then this other woman that was standing behind me and she was like uh, uh, she was Lizavetta. I mean she was unkept looked like a street urchin old yeah older than me old old she didn't have any teeth in her mouth and she had tattered clothing on and it was dirty and unkept and there's nothing sweeter wonderful about her that I could see um, but this guy came in and he just barged in front of us and he had you know he psh, was angry and he put these two vinyl windows that he bought up against there and he said I was here before you guys and, oh, okay and just started going off about how he wasn't a bad person, but he, needed, he was there before we were, and therefore he wanted to get in there. He had very important things to do and was assuring every, every one of us standing there in line and the woman behind me went, I don't care. She says, okay. And I said, yeah. I, I said, listen, I, I, I don't have anything I need to do. 
I'm not obligated under anything anymore. <laughs> and so go, go ahead, you know, trying to, well, he just didn't want to receive any of that and was still being ugly to us. And this woman, uh, here, stand up. Now, you know, you, when you stand in line behind somebody, you know, you got to face them. So this is really embarrassing. This is going to just slay you. So I'm her and you're me. Okay. All of a sudden, I feel this arm come up and go, and she says, oh, don't worry. He just can't smell Jesus. Oh, wow. But I can. Oh, wow. I went, what? <laughs> can smell Jesus how were your holidays honey (laughs) and she started engaging me I cried when I left that place that's what love looks like people know it when they say they smell it you want to be Corinthians says we are a fragrance. God always leads us in triumph. We are the fragrance of Christ. To one who doesn't know him, we smell like death. And to the one who does, we smell like life. I can't generate that. I can't make those things happen. But I can receive them as God loving me back. And say, you're trying to show an ugly person patience. And those who love me saw it. And I wanted you to know, either that or she was an angel. Could have been an angel with no teeth. That was the most wonderful conversation. Now, the thing I didn't tell you is because of this, we're getting ready to celebrate Martin Luther King holiday this week. And about, and there's so much stuff about racism in our country. She was black. They tell us about all the things that we have to do and what we need to stop. You know what? If we love well, we love from our heart, it pierces through all that stuff. I don't know if I have any hidden racism in my heart, but I don't think so. And if it is, it ain't going to come out because I smell different. I respond differently. What that woman did with me It'll last me now until I quit knowing in part and I know in full. But God can show you what love looks like. She recognized Christ in me. That's what you want. That's what, this is why we do this. It's why we practice it. Was I doing it in my flesh? Was I just being patient even though the guy was a jerk? I thought he was a jerk. All those thoughts went through my head. You jerk. No, get behind the two of us. You know, start pr- protecting us. It's, eh. Eh, don't chase freight trains. Don't do that. Let love, let love come in. True love, let it come into your heart. You'll smell different. We can, all of us are supposed to smell different. We have the fragrance of Christ. Isn't that incredible? Now, Well, yeah, you always get to have those, and I don't. Right there, stop that. Put your foot on the neck of that thing. Stop it. That's not what love looks like. Love says, I believe that was God, and I don't believe it was just for Lloyd. He might have been using Lloyd, but that's for me right now. 
Say in your heart right now, God, I believe in the love that you have for me. I believe I smell different. I believe I am different. I believe that you love well. I believe you'll never leave me alone. I believe that you'll never reject me over my performance. Not one time. I believe you're there and every time I misstep and don't do it right and I'm impatient. But God, light up my life. Love me well, God. Love me right now where I'm at. I receive your unhindered love this day in my heart for me. And I will praise you, Jesus. And I would tell you in my heart of hearts, I want to smell just like you smell. I want people to hear me and hear you. See me and see you. With all my heart, I pray this. In Jesus' name. Now, may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and in you all throughout this day and this week. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.